This is Alan Seaborn from Winning at Home. Welcome to In Progress, a podcast about faith, life, and how we grow. And in this episode, uh, it's kind of a follow-up, kind of a part two, not quite, of what we talked about in the previous episode of new birth into a living hope. What I want to do is I want to talk about, as I shared a little bit in the past episode, of my own health struggles and my own kind of difficulty sometimes seeing hope like that. I want to talk in this episode about how God brought me to that point of seeing that hope and a discipline that he helped use uh, to really redirect the way that I think and honestly what I think is the way that my mind works. God used this practice to absolutely change my life. And I'm not overstating that to make a point, to get you excited, whatever. Um, God used meditation. Some people call it different things. Some people call it listening or time alone with God or whatever. There's all different ways that people talk about this, that people practice this. But I want to share with you my own journey into the practice of meditation. And I'm guessing that when some of you hear that word, you're like, man, that's been starting to kind of catch on in, you know, the popular culture and people are talking about meditation and it kind of freaks me out because it has a really um, Zen feel to it. And I don't know if that lines up with, uh, with what God wants for my life. And so I just want to spend some time talking about how this has looked for me because I, I really believe that. God wants to communicate with us. And the way that I've found that he does that for me is through the practice of meditation. But this wasn't a really simple, oh yeah, here, let's just start doing it and now everything's great kind of a thing. Uh, My dad has really for as long as I can remember talked with the family and said, hey, you need to have some kind of practice of listening to God. And he is the person who founded Winning at Home. Some of you listening to the podcast may be familiar with that. Some of you may not be. And so when I started here in 2011, I was not just hearing about it from my dad as my dad, but now I'm hearing about it in the organization that I'm a part of, this ministry it's really emphasized it's important to listen to God, that we're not out there trying to force things, make our own ideas happen, but that we're allowing him to lead. And so every year um, I would have to fill out in my performance review, have you been listening to God? And up until, I guess, about two years ago, I always had to say, eh, I tried that once or twice and it really wasn't for me. So I don't have a practice of listening to God or meditation. I don't do anything like that. Because the first time that I tried this, now, like I say, I grew up, my dad talked about the importance of listening to God. At work, they're talking about the importance of listening to God. And I I don't know what pops into all of your heads when you hear that, but I kind of, I guess, subconsciously was picturing, okay, yeah, I wonder what that looks like. 
And so I tried it one day. I went home and I I didn't know where to start. I'm guessing that that's probably how this is hitting some of you. You're like, I don't even know what that would be. And so I decided to find the quietest spot that I could in my house. And I turned off all the lights. I set a timer on my phone. I, I thought, okay, I'll try it for 10 minutes to just sit, nothing, do nothing, think about nothing, just wait. And that's how you listen. And I, I guess that I had uh, pictured in my head like, okay, I know that when, you know, like the Buddhist monks that you see when they're listening, meditating, they sit with their legs crossed in that lotus position and they sit on something hard. Usually they sit directly on a hard floor on a tiny little thin mat and they kind of have their, their hands resting, facing upward with their thumb and their, uh, their index finger touching. They've got their arms kind of resting on their knees. And if you can picture that lotus position, that's what I decided to try to do. So I went home, I sat on the hard floor, had the lights off, shut my eyes, my timer on my phone is going for 10 minutes, and I just sat and sat and sat. And I don't know if you've ever tried to be totally still and silent for 10 minutes, but it's a really long time if you haven't done it before. And... I'm not used to sitting in the lotus position. I'm not, I don't like do stretches or anything like that. So my lower back, I was trying to sit up straight. My lower back is like starting to get pretty tired quicker into this 10 minutes than I ever anticipated. The sides of my knees are kind of going, hey, dude, you're not like 10 anymore and you don't stretch. So what, you know, the, my knees are hurting and screaming at me like, what are you doing? And while I'm sitting there, uncomfortable, all that was coming into my head were negative guilt-based thoughts. It was really weird, but I started to think about all the ways that I could do a better job, the things that I could have done at work differently that would have been better. I thought of the things that I said to people, the things that I did, the choices that I made, how... I made a bunch of wrong choices. I said a bunch of wrong things. I did a bunch of things that I regret. And then I started thinking about how I uh, had damaged relationships over the years. I thought back on weird stuff. I'm like, what? How do I even remember this? Let alone, why is this popping in my head when I'm trying to listen to God? What, what's going on? And then I started thinking about some recent stuff, some relationship things that I could have done differently, I could have done better. I started thinking about how I had damaged my relationship with God by either doing the thing I knew I shouldn't have done or not doing the thing I knew I should have done. So you get what's going on here, right? I'm physically uncomfortable. I'm trying something new and I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't know if I'm doing it right or wrong. And on top of all that, I'm feeling guilty and feeling like, man, I've, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've made a lot of bad decisions. I've hurt a lot of people. I've let a lot of people down. And finally my timer goes off. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm done with that. And I tried listening once 
definitely wasn't for me. And that was kind of what I said from then on. That was probably 2011, 12, somewhere in there. And I'm like, eh, this is just not for me. I I don't want to go sit somewhere and feel guilty for 10 minutes and just realize all the ways I've fallen short. I'm like, I'm I'm not going to do it. And so I just stopped. I totally stopped even trying to have this listening meditation time with me and God and my health stuff. I, I really think it brought me to kind of a point of desperation because uh, I don't know if there's any of you that are are in the middle of um, not having a resolution, but if you allow yourself to do it, uh, you're going to spend a whole lot of time just wallowing and feeling like, man, I'm dealing with such tough stuff and self-pity and you're just going to say, you almost give yourself an excuse. It's really weird to just focus in on you and to not really worry about what other people are dealing with or going through or how your decisions are impacting other people because you're like, man, I'm so hurt right now. Uh, I I can kind of just afford to focus in on me. And I went through that for a while of my uh, health journey. And finally, I got to a point where I realized that I was depressed. It took me a while to really identify it that way because I just kept saying, well, yeah, of course I don't feel emotionally right or healthy or happy or joyful about pretty much anything because, um, you know, my life is ruined by this health thing that I'm going through right now. So, yeah, obviously I don't feel good. I don't have a positive or even neutral outlook on life. Uh, I, I'm hurting. And, yeah, obviously I'm not in a good spot emotionally. But over time and really uh, through my wife, Annalise, through her consistent encouragement of like, hey, you know, I think you need to change something because you're depressed. Like the stuff that I loved doing before, uh, I didn't really do a whole lot anymore. Uh, I really kind of just pulled inward and wasn't really interested in doing a whole lot of activity sort of stuff. Um, Wasn't, you know, Annalise and I, the option to like go for a walk or go do something, I'm like, eh, don't really feel like it. Um, Watching NBA games, which was my thing that I love to do, eh, don't really feel like it. When I had choices to do things that I enjoyed before, I was like, eh, just kind of emotionally flat. And I sort of felt like uh, I was living life in black and white instead of in color. And I went through that for a while. And that desperation, that like, man, I, I don't know what's going on and I don't know how to get past this. I don't know how to get through this but I can't just live like this for the rest of my life. Um, That depression brought me to a spot 
of being desperate enough that I was willing to try some things. And those things, what I tried, two things really kind of at the same time. Uh, I talked to um, a doctor and a psychiatrist, and I started taking uh, some antidepressants. And I want to let people know I'm not saying, hey, medication is the answer for everything. This was something after talking uh, through this with people in my life as well as professionals in my life that it's like, hey, in the midst of dealing with these circumstances, you're probably going to need a little bit of help uh, on you know, a hormonal level to face what you're going through right now. And this isn't really what I was planning on talking about. I'm just sitting here in the studio and sharing my journey. And I want to let you know that if you've been dealing with depression, if you've been in a spot where you're like, man, I just, I don't know how to handle life right now. It feels like every single thing is overwhelming. If something doesn't go exactly how I pictured it, it's just like, oh, no, not this too. Um, I want to encourage you to be open to seeking help, to talking to your doctor, talking to a counselor, psychiatrist, to seeing if maybe there's something that if you identify what you're going through as depression and say, you know what, I think I need help. Um, maybe that makes sense. It's not a decision that I entered into lightly to take antidepressants. It's something I really um, was trying to avoid, not because I was like, oh, I don't want to admit that I'm depressed, but I just didn't know what it was going to do to me. I didn't know what kind of side effects I might face. I didn't know uh, if it would make it harder to identify whatever it was that was actually health-wise going wrong with me. And I just kind of kept putting it off. And eventually, like I say, this desperation brought me to a point where I was open to trying these antidepressants. And they really took the edge off of things. Uh, didn't bring me back to, you know, what kind of is my normal emotional state, but brought me to a point where everything that happened in my life didn't get interpreted through a negative lens. So I start on these antidepressants out of desperation from dealing with this depression and just going, man, I, I can't keep doing this. And combined with that, maybe a month and a half after I started taking the medication, I started deciding, you know what, I think I'm going to practice meditation. I think I'm going to give this a try again. Even though that time I did this listening before uh, didn't work out really for me, I want to try it again. And what got me open to doing that is um, I read a book by a Franciscan priest. His name is Richard Rohr, and the book is called Everything Belongs. And in this book, he talks about how we spend a lot of our lives uh, trying to kind of fight against reality instead of just allowing what is to be. And I know 
that there's some of you that are hearing that idea right now and you're kind of upset with me or kind of offended. And I totally get that. That's where I was a year and a half or two years or however long ago. Because when you're dealing with heavy stuff, someone just saying, yeah, just accept it. Just allow it to happen. You're like, you don't understand. No, it, this is the worst thing that's ever happened in my life. This, I can't do it. And God used meditation to bring me to the point of kind of not fighting with what was actually happening in life. So like I say, I mentioned this book, this Everything Belongs. Um, in this book, Richard Rohr, he really, uh, he laid out a couple things that really helped me to say, okay, if I try this again, I'm at least equipped with a couple pieces of knowledge that I think are going to be a really good starting point for me. And so the first thing was he talked about, he wrote about in this book, that usually for the first 10 or 15 minutes, especially when you're first starting out with meditation, you'll be bombarded with negative thoughts, guilt, reminders of your failure, inadequacy, the exact experience that I had had. And I was like, oh, wow, okay, that wasn't just me not doing it right or this doesn't work for me or whatever. That's to be expected. And that doesn't mean that it's fun, but knowing that that's going to be what happens, especially for the first 10 or 15 minutes of a session of meditation, I'm going, okay, if that's normal, let's try to push through that and see what happens. And the second thing, uh, he gave a recommendation to use Psalm 46.10 to help guide your time of meditation. And that verse, it's a familiar verse to us. Be still and know that I am God. But he broke it down and he laid it out in a way that it was really geared toward repetition. So he encourages people who are practicing meditation, especially starting out, to just repeat over and over, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. And then start over. Be still and know that I am God, and over and over and over. And so when I knew that these negative thoughts were normal and I had this verse that I could repeat over and over throughout the time, I was like, all right, I, I think I'm going to give this a shot again. And like I mentioned at the beginning, uh, meditation, it's something that's starting to become a little bit more normal. It's something that you hear people talk about and write about a little bit. And so I thought, okay, uh, I'm going to do a little bit of research into this. And I looked and thought, what is the best way to do this? Where do you get the most benefits? If you're going to meditate, how long do you want to do it? How do you want to do it? And I found something that said uh, that about the 30 minute mark 
is where you gain the most benefits from meditation. I'm like, man, that's a long time, but okay, I'll give it a shot. So this time, uh, I didn't sit in the lotus position. I found a comfortable spot to sit, a spot where I was sitting upright so I wasn't going to fall asleep or something like that. Um, Which, by the way, if you practice this regularly, you will fall asleep sometimes. It's okay. You don't need to wake up angry or guilty or feeling, you know, hopefully you don't uh, miss an appointment or miss picking up your child from practice or school or something. But if you fall asleep during a session, uh, that's, that's okay. That's normal. Don't sweat that. So anyway, I sat in a comfortable spot. I put my phone on airplane mode because I knew that, uh, you know, it'd be really easy to get distracted by uh, receiving a text or some other kind of notification or whatever. I set my timer for 30 minutes and really basically my only rule was, okay, don't even open your eyes until that timer goes off. Don't check the timer throughout. Don't do that, whatever. And so I sat and total silence, 30 minutes. Here we go. All right. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. And I just kept repeating that over and 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 over. You get what I'm getting at here, right? That 30 minutes feels like an absurdly long time. Crazy. I I was convinced that my phone was broken or something was wrong because the timer should have gone off a long time ago. It's been at least an hour. Come on. I know I set that thing for 30 minutes. But eventually, the obsession with the time, it kind of fades. And, you know, I'm still bombarded, especially the first few weeks that I was doing this, still bombarded with the negative thoughts. Still like, oh, man, I messed this up. I'm guilty you know, about this. I should have done this different. I wish I did this instead. And I'm feeling all these things. And then just kind of keep repeating, be still and know that I am God. And eventually that background noise, the guilt and the worries and the concerns and the inadequacy, um, that stuff starts to fade. And The worry about the time starts to fade. You can really just focus in on this repeating, be still and know that I am God. And instead of just saying those words in your head, instead of just, yep, okay, checked it off the list, repeated it one more time, to actually think about what you're repeating in your mind. Go, what does that mean? What does it mean to be still and know that he is God? What does it mean to be still and know? What does it mean to be? 
and you start thinking through and feeling these things. And I want to, you know, I'm trying to give you a really practical breakdown of what this looked like and how it felt and all these things. Uh, This isn't something where I sat for these 30 minutes and I was just like, oh man, I felt like God was just downloading all this stuff into my head, you know, and just like, oh, this is what I need to do. That's what I need to do. Uh, It wasn't like that. In fact, I was practicing this daily meditation. I was doing 30 minutes a day, six days a week for um, probably over a month before I really felt like there was something that God was trying to lead me to do, something he was trying to speak to me about, something that as I was listening and meditating that I actually um, heard and not heard like an audible thing, but just kind of sensed like, oh, this is something that you need to do. And unfortunately, (laughs) uh, what I felt like I needed to do was to reach out to somebody hadn't seen or talked to or anything for four years and apologize to this guy. And when I first thought that, I was like, oh yeah, this is some of that negative you know, guilt feeling type of stuff. And I just got to keep going and I'll get past this eventually. Um, but I didn't, it kept coming in my head and I really sensed like, I I think this is not my own idea. I think this is a prompting from God, which I was not happy about by the way, because I'm like, okay, maybe for some of you listening, you're like, what's the big deal? But I'm going, man, to reach out to someone that I haven't spoken to for four years, I don't even know if I still have their contact information, if it's current. I've got to reach out to this person. I've got to remind them of how I didn't treat them right. And then I have to ask for forgiveness. And I was dreading this, man. I I, I don't know how some of you are wired, but I'm really... When, I, when there's something I really don't want to do, um, I just put it off and put it off and put it off. And that's what I did. Um, but eventually, I was like, okay, I, I don't want to do this, but I guess I got to do it. So I reached out, and I'll tell you, it, it's going to feel like I'm overstating this, and you're like, man, what is wrong with you? But in those moments, I really was resonating with the ideas throughout Scripture that obedience, that sacrifice, that letting go feels like death, feels like you're dying to your old self. It feels like, man, this is the worst thing imaginable. And so I reach out and I let something of myself that I didn't want to talk about. I let it be exposed. I had a conversation and on the other end of it, after this apology and reconciliation was done, there was such a freedom, such a lightness, such a, wow, what a relief. I'm not carrying this around anymore. And I'm going, oh, wow. Okay. This is why 
God is leading me to this because he knows, like I, I spent an episode talking about this before, that God's not trying to get us. He's not trying to catch us doing something so he can say, ha, ah, finally, I, I told you you were broken and messed up and ruined, and now I'm going to punish you. It's because he's saying, you don't have to live that way. You don't have to carry this burden. You can be free of this stuff. And so as I continued to practice meditation, there was another thing that God laid on my heart that I needed to do. And you would think after it went so well the first time that I would be like, okay, cool. Yeah, something else that I can be free of. I don't have to carry around anymore. Uh, But that's not how it felt. Um, Dying always feels like dying. And I've been practicing meditation now for, uh, I don't know, a year and a half or two years or something along those lines. And every time that God's leading me to something, I'm like, man, I do not want to do this. This is not what would be something I would naturally do. This is not something that I am excited, looking forward to doing. Um, But on the other side, of surrender and sacrifice and letting go and what feels like death is freedom. And what I have found is consistently over and over and over, um, God has used this time to bring me closer and closer to him. But you know, uh, there's an interesting thing that I really think is the reason that we don't spend a whole lot of time listening or meditating. Um, and if you've, if you've ever read the book Celebration of Discipline uh, by Richard Foster, it's something that I'm guessing most of us that have been around the church for a while are at least familiar with. He talks about the idea of listening, meditating. And he says this, he says, the history of religion is the story of an almost desperate scramble to have a king, a mediator, a priest, a pastor, a go-between. In this way, we do not need to go to God ourselves. Such an approach saves us from the need to change. For to be in the presence of God is to change. And I'll tell you, that's been my experience with meditation. And change is usually uh, not a joyful thing in the moment. We really, people, we just naturally resist change for whatever reason. We like to know what's coming next. We like to be able to have our expectations met and to go from the status quo to doing something different. Uh, It's scary. It's unknown. And it's like, man, I I don't know if this is going to be worth it. And if you start practicing meditation, uh, I really believe that God is going to use that time to change you. Now, that's going to sound scary 
but at the same time, it sounds exciting and new and different. And if you're in a spot where you're like, man, I'm dealing with something and I don't, I don't know the next step. Um, I really wish that this circumstance or relationship or situation was different. I believe that God will use a time of meditation in your life, not to change those circumstances, not to give you the outcome. This is not a rubbing the lamp and the genie comes out and you get to do whatever you want to do and everything's great. But what God has done in my life is he's used this time of meditation not to change the world around me, but to change me. And I want to encourage you to give it a shot. And it doesn't have to look the way that I've described. This doesn't, you know, if if you're going to practice some kind of listening, some kind of quiet time, some kind of meditation, it doesn't have to be the way that I do it. I've talked to people who do this stuff all different ways. I've talked to people who practice uh, mindfulness meditation for 10 minutes during the middle of the day. People who do a listening time with their eyes open, a notepad early in the morning to write down any kind of thing that might pop in their head. Talk to people who use their daily commute to meditate. Uh, We're all wired a little different, so don't expect what works for me or somebody else to be the exact thing that's going to work for you. As I've kind of been zeroing in on the most ideal meditation conditions for me, uh, I've tried apps for guided meditation. Um, I really like, there's an app that's called 10% Happier. Uh, there's another app that a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine uses called Headspace. Um, so I tried those things for guided meditation. I've tried doing a walking meditation as I take a walk around my neighborhood or take a walk around a park or whatever. I've tried an isolation tank. Uh, you float in body temperature water in a light-proof and soundproof like pod. If you're claustrophobic, definitely don't try that one. Uh, But it's a totally different experience where you're cutting out all sensory stuff and you can just be and just listen. I've tried being outside versus being inside and, you know, I've, I've done a whole bunch of different things. And as life circumstances have changed for me, I'm, I'm guessing that there's been a bunch of people listening and going, okay, cool, yeah, you had 30 minutes to just be in total silence. Um, I have kids, so that's not going to work for me. Uh, that's okay. Try something different. There's all different ways that we can do this. And my personal meditation time has kind of shifted over the last probably six months Uh, My wife and I got a puppy and we're moving and renovating a new house all at the same time. And so obviously where I used to have easy 30 minutes, uh, these segments of time where I could just go and get by myself and be quiet, um, having a brand new puppy and then trying to work on the new house at the same time we're packing up the old house and doing all that, it's looked a lot different. And so I've been using those apps for the guided meditation. I've been practicing while I've been commuting to and from wherever, 
you know, on my drive to and from work, on my drive to and from the house I'm going to do renovations on, wherever you can find a little time to get alone, you and God, and listen, meditate, ask him to speak. Because what I really believe is that God wants to be at work in our lives. And if we give him a little bit of time consistently, if we say, God, I I know you want to work in my life and I want to let you work in my life. I really believe and my experience has been that he will do it. But I don't want you to think like, okay, yeah, I tried it for a week and nothing significant came to mind. I I didn't think of anything, you know, that I feel like God's trying to say to me. Um, That's totally normal. There's times I went, I think in the first probably six or seven months that I was meditating, there were four things that I felt like God was saying, hey, this is what I want to communicate to you. But all throughout that time, other ideas were popping into my head, things that were my own ideas, things about tasks on my to-do list or things from my hobby that I wanted to do or hey, check in on this with this family plan that's coming up or whatever, check with mom or dad or the in-laws or whatever. Just all kinds of stuff is going to pop into your head. But if you stay with it, if you keep practicing consistently, I really believe that God is going to use this time to speak. And what that's going to do is going to change your life. The reminder again, from Richard Foster, to be in the presence of God is to change. And his invitation, I really believe, for every single one of us is to be in his presence and allow him to point out these spots in our lives that we need to change, where we need to surrender, where we need to die and give up part of what we think is us. Because what we're going to find on the other side is freedom and life and joy and hope. And God wants to work in our lives that way. He wants to bring that stuff, not by changing our circumstances, but by changing us from within. So let's give him an opportunity to do that. I want to invite you coming up sometime this week, maybe even today, to try to practice just being quiet, just being alone with him and let him speak.